Hey, we are in this series uh, this, that we've been in now for a few weeks, and um, basically the, the series is uh, my summer mixtape, and we're, you know, basically allowing me to go back and look at sermons that I've preached over the last 20 years and pull out favorites and put like a playlist together, if you will, of my favorite sermons. And so we've been doing that over the last few weeks. And if you've missed any of those, I would invite you to go to heartchurch.org and check it out uh, and go to you know, media and you can see some of those uh, sermons. But uh, today I'm going to add a new one to the list. And uh, today the title of the message is The Cost of Discipleship. And this is a little different. It's a little bit different message. It's uh, one of those that when you leave today, you, you, may not be, uh, you may not be, well, I just feel so good when you leave. You know, one of the things that can, and that's one of the reasons it's one of my favorite sermons, because I believe that from time to time, we need to hear sermons that, we, and, you know, that, that challenge us and that make us look at ourselves and take a deep look at ourselves. You know, we live in this society and a culture today that is so consumer-driven, and so much is consumer-driven. I mean, we, we, we're inundated with marketing, you know, from television and from the computer and from social media. We constantly are marketed things, and we're always sold the benefit of those things, right? You know, they, if you, you know it's a car, you know, the, the, and, and, you know, it's the way you would sell it. You know, somebody would say, you know, the guy would, or lady that's selling the car would tell you all the benefits of the car. Oh, this car gets this many miles a gallon. Boy, it's got this, you can get this package and this stereo, this leather package. You know, you got this. GPS and, you know, it, it's, uh, the ride is smooth, you know, it's got a sunroof and, and all that. And you, you get, you, they sell you on all the benefits. They avoid it, anything they can do to, to talk about the cost of the car. And to, but, you know, right? And, uh, and, and then that, it's the same way you go to a bank and you go in and you sit down and the young lady at the desk is so nice and kind. And, and, uh, but you went in there and all you wanted to do was get a safety deposit box and you leave and you've got a checking account, a savings account, a savings deposit box, uh, an IRA. You got, you, you know, you, you got all this because they're selling you and they're telling you why you need those things, the benefit of having those things. But there's a cost associated with those things. Well, I think that culture, because that's the way we live, that some of that mentality, there's, it's, there's books, there are books written about this, has, has made its way into our Christian lives. Many Christians, uh, they approach their Christianity with a consumeristic attitude. That's why people move around to different churches all the time. They don't just go someplace and stay. They'll go somewhere for a while and they're looking for the next experience. They're going to the next place because I'm a consumer. I'm going to go and I'm going to get this. I want to go here. I'm going to go there. Oh, that, I, you know, I want to go where it's a little more lively now or I'm tired of that. I want to go over here where it's like that because we're consumer driven. You know, and, and, uh, and we hear all kinds of excuses for leaving one place and going, oh, I'm not being fed. You know, that's the worst thing you can ever don't, don't, Even if you come from another church, please don't tell me you came here because you weren't being fed. Because I have a theory about being fed in church. I got a feeling if you start feeding, you'd feel fed. Okay, so when you say I'm not being fed, I'm just like, well, you're not going to do anything here, you know, right? I mean, because you're probably not going to be fed here either, unless you get plugged in and get involved and start using the gifts and the talents and abilities that God's given you. And you get involved, then you feel fed. It's not about a preacher standing up in front of you every week and just giving you some motivational message. 
And that's the other thing, is we want messages these days in Christian churches. There's even entire ministries today. One really famous guy that's on TV, I won't mention his name, but you know Joel Osteen. And, and, um, and, and, uh, but, and, and the only reason I mention his name is because he says this all the time in public. He says, people, he's, I saw him ask in an interview, why don't you ever talk about sin? Why don't you talk about the cost of following Christ? He goes, well, people have enough bad news in their life. They just need some good news. Well, I've got some, and the Bible says, preach the good news. Well, I've got some news for you, Joel, if you're watching today. How about going to seminary one day and learning what the good news is? It's about the fact that you're a sinner and you're separated from God. And if you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're going to hell. But if you will, you'll go to heaven. That's the good news. And we don't have, and so what we have is a bunch of preachers out there today that want to tell you, want to make you feel good when you leave, and they want to bless you. They want you to feel good when you leave. Well, today you may not feel so good when you leave. But here's what I hope you will feel good about today. I hope you'll feel good about today that somebody stood on the stage and told you about the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when it's a little bit uncomfortable. Because that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? That's what we're supposed to do. All right, through the years growing up, I've heard all kinds of things. You know, I've learned tidbits of information. I remember growing up, my mom used to tell me all the time, because I'd always, I'm, you know, I'm one of those people, man, I'm always excited, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna, you know, I tried this new thing. And mom used to always tell me, if something seems too good to be true, it probably is. You ever heard that? How about this one, there's no free lunch. You ever heard that one? You get what you pay for. You ever, you ever heard that? You know, the, the idea behind some of these things, and especially to get what you pay for, is this. There is a cost associated with things that are worthwhile, right? And I want to tell you this morning that there is a cost associated with following Jesus Christ. Okay, there are benefits for sure. We get great benefits. We get eternal life. We get the Holy Spirit of God that indwells us. We get all those kind of things. But, I, but, but there is a cost associated with following Jesus. Now, there was a time uh, back when Jesus was on the earth and, and uh, it was, Jesus was in Jerusalem and, and uh, he's ultimately gonna go to the cross and, and, that's the, and he's gonna die for our sins and that, that's coming up and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And, and he's, but he's going about doing what Jesus did. He's going about, he's teaching, you know, he's, he's healing people, even raised some people from the dead. People have never heard of this, this before. They've never seen anything like this before, this new message that Jesus is preaching. And, um, and we read over and over again that people were intrigued. We read that in the Bible. Large crowds were gathering. They were following Jesus wherever Jesus went. And there were all kinds of people in the crowd. There were curious people. There were Pharisees that were in the crowd. There were just these religious leaders that they were just out to get Jesus and, and try to prove him that he was, he was talking against God. They were always trying to do that. There there were people in the crowd that didn't really want to be there. Some people just said, what's the crowd? You know, some people say, hey, there's a crowd. They just go to the crowd. And uh, there were just all kinds of people in the mix following Jesus. And people were wanting to know something. They were wanting to know, who is this guy? What is he all about? And, and, in the, and, and what, what does it mean to follow him? He, and I believe this question was being asked, what does it cost to follow him? What, what is it going to cost me? How is it going to change my life? What am I going to have to do? What am I going to have to become? How am I going to act? You know, what, what is going to be expected of me if I follow this, this man, Jesus? What's going to happen? So Jesus meets with his disciples, and he's talking to them about what Christianity is about. 
you got your Bibles with you today, open them to the New Testament, to book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the New Testament. We're going to be looking at one verse as the overarching primary verse today, Luke 9, 23. Jesus is talking about being a Christian, being a Christ follower, being a disciple of Christ, and this is what he says. He says, if anyone would come after me, in other words, if anyone would be my disciple, if anyone would put their faith and their trust in me, if anyone wants to be my student, if anyone wants to be my follower, follower, one of my children, listen to what he says. He says, if that's what you want, then let that person deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's really a simple passage. It's not one of those passages that you've got to kind of, you know, really dig in and study a lot to try to figure out what he's saying. He goes, no, you want to follow me? You want to be a believer? You want to be a Christ follower? You want me in your life? Here's what you got to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, there's that, that, those verses tell you and me right there, there is a cost to following Jesus. There's no benefits listed in this little passage. The first thing that he says is he says that you've got to deny yourself. You know what that means in the Greek? Literally, that means you've got to refuse to associate with something. You've got to refuse to associate with yourself if you're going to follow Jesus. Now, that sounds weird. I know that sounds weird, but here's what it's talking about. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that all the old things pass away and all things become new. It says that you're a new creation in Christ. So you've got to disassociate from the old person and you've got to embrace Christ and make him the priority of everything in your life. There's a cost associated with following Jesus. You've got to deny who yourself. You've got to deny yourself. Prior to becoming a follower of Christ, before coming a believer, who, think about this for a moment. Why do you have to disassociate with yourself? Because prior to coming to Christ, I can tell every one of you 100% without question who was on the throne of your life. You. But when you come to Jesus as Lord and Savior and you ask him to come into your life, you take yourself off the throne of your life and you put Jesus Christ on the throne of your life. It's not about you anymore. It's about him, 100% about him. And so it costs us to follow Jesus Christ. He has to become the priority of your life. He has to become number one in your life. There's gonna be life change that takes place. There's got to be life change that takes place. There is no way that life change cannot take place if you genuinely put your faith and trust in Jesus. I think I've told this illustration before, but one time I went to a conference and a guy named David Platt that was speaking, and um, I, he was supposed to speak, and we're all sitting at the conference, and, and, and he, he was talking about what I'm talking about today, and he was sitting at the conference, and, um, and so we're all sitting out there, and they introduce him, and they go, here's our speaker, and we all know the guy is kind of famous, here he is, David Platt, and nobody came out on stage. And we sat there and everybody's looking at their watch and we're all looking around like, what, where in the world is David Platt? What's happened to David Platt? And about three or four minutes after we were all in just tense sitting there, David Platt comes running out on stage and he comes up to the podium and he kind of falls over the podium. He looks normal. He goes, guys, I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm, I'm so sorry I'm late. I, got, I had a flat tire when I was on my way here, and he goes, I was, I was, on, I was on 540 coming from the airport over to the, over to the seminary, and he said, and, 
And uh, I got out of my car and I was changing the tire and a truck hit me. And we're all looking at him like, you know truck hit you. You'd look different if a truck had hit you. And he stopped for a moment. He looked and he goes, you figured out by now I haven't been hit by a truck. I've not been hit by a truck, right? He goes, because if a truck had hit me, I'd look completely different than I do right now. He goes, let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ hits you, you're going to look different than you did than before he hit you. And I've never forgotten that illustration. That when the Holy Spirit of Almighty God comes upon you, when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, there has got to be a change in you. Something's going to change. You are sinful. You are completely sinful. The Bible says we are filthy rags. And the holy entity that exists in all of existence, the Holy Spirit of Almighty God takes up residence inside of you. You cannot look like you used to look. It's absolutely impossible. So there's some changes that have got to take place place, as unpleasant as it sounds, in order for you to reap the benefits to coming to Christ and and to live this Christian life, you've got to pay a price. There's some changes. You've got to deny yourself. Jesus says in Luke 14, 26 through 27, if anyone comes to me, listen to this, this is incredible, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus isn't telling us to hate our family. He is just simply saying that there is nothing, no matter how precious it is to you, nothing that can come before him, that when you put your faith and your trust in him as Lord and Savior, he is number one. He is the priority. Nothing, not your family, not your job, not your wants, your desires, the things you love, your passions, nothing can come before him. He is number one. There's a cost associated with becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And anything that, you know, I read an article one time in seminary by a guy named David Pallison, and he said anything that comes before Jesus Christ in your life is an idol. And I believe the Big Ten tells us we're not supposed to worship idol. And then Jesus goes on in Matthew 10, 34 and 36, listen to what he says. He says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. What is he saying? Once again, he's not encouraging us not to love our families or anything like that. He's saying, listen, I have come to forgive you of your sins. I have come so that you can be reconciled with God. I have come and I am the sacrifice. And you know what? I'm the lamb that was slain and I'm the one. And, and when you put your faith and your trust in me, there are going to be people that don't get it. He's going to say, so I'm going to come between mothers and fathers and, and, and I'm going to come between sisters and brothers and friends because you're going to put your faith and trust in me and they're not going to get it. And they're not going to have a relationship with me, and they're not going to understand it. And so I came, and it's not to bring peace, but it's to bring the sword. There's a cost. Some of you right here know that when you became a believer, that it changed your family relationships. 
Some of you are struggling, but I've counseled people. I've counseled husbands and wives that they were married for years and one of them became a believer and the other didn't. And and it causes problems in the marriage because there's a division now because there are competing worldviews and belief systems. Think about the Jews in this context that we're talking about here. When a Jewish person came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they were ostracized. When they became believers, the other Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. They would, if they owned the business, Jews wouldn't frequent their businesses. It could just literally, in a sense, destroy the life that they knew. But they had to deny themselves. And you and I have to do that too. There's a cost associated with following Christ. And then he goes on and he says that you need to take up your cross daily. He says in Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now to those people he was talking to, this meant something different than it probably means to me and you off the cuff. Because when someone said, you've got to take up your cross in the context they were living in, they knew it meant one thing, you've got to die. To you and me, the cross is a symbol of hope. When we look to the cross, we know that Jesus went to the cross. We know that he died on the cross for our sins. And because of what he did, that if we put our faith and trust in him, we can have eternal life. So the cross, we wear crosses on necklaces around our necks and and all those kind of things because we see that as a symbol of hope for for this uh, relationship with God and our eternity with God in heaven as Christians. We see that. But in that context, in that culture, when somebody went to the cross, you were going to die. You know, sometimes we think about, I I know some Christians, I've talked to them before, and they'll think the only crucifixion thing was all about Jesus and two thieves that were on the crosses beside him. Listen, before Jesus is still alive when he's talking about this, why would he talk about the, the people going to the cross? Because they saw people going to crosses all the time. People were crucified all the time. It was a way that the Romans would put people to death. It was a death sentence. And so when he says, you've got to take up your cross daily, you've got to die to yourself daily. You know, he says, you've you've got to die to yourself. They understood what he was saying. You're going to have to be willing on a daily basis, day by day, to die to yourself. You're going to have to give up your plan, your agenda, your success. You're going to have to give up all those things, and you're going to have to make Jesus Christ the priority of your life, and you're going to have to live for him and make him number one, and you've got to die to yourself. You Remember, you're denied yourself, so you've taken yourself off the throne of your life. You've put Jesus on the throne of your life, and now you've got to die to yourself, and you've got to make him the priority. That's what he's saying. There's a cost to following Jesus. It costs to be a disciple. Now, I know that it's not the same in everybody's life, and what, what, when I say it costs to be a disciple, I don't know what it's going to cost you to be a disciple. Your situation and circumstances in life may be different than my situation and circumstances. It may cost you something that it doesn't cost me. It may cost me something that it doesn't cost you. But, but the fact of the matter is, there is a cost associated with it. We have to deny ourselves, and we have to take up our cross daily and follow him. We've got to be willing to do that, to die to our old way of life, to die for those sinful things in our life. You know, sometimes we, we have to change friends. We might even have to change jobs. Well, we might, well, there's no telling what we'll have to do because each of our cross is a little different, but we've got to die to ourselves and take up our cross. I mean, deny ourselves and we got to take up our cross daily and follow him. There's a cost associated with discipleship and with growing in Christ and becoming part of God's family through a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a cost. And, 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 and so many places won't preach that today. They just want to tell you the benefits of following. Yes, are there benefits? Yeah. 
There are great benefits. Number one, you're forgiven of your sins. Another thing, God sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to empower you to live your life day in and day out. And then you get to go to heaven and spend your eternity with God. There are, we could go on and on and on. There are benefits, 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 but those benefits come with a cost. It's not about praying some simple little prayer and then just going about your life. There's gotta be change in us. And Jesus has to be our priority. We don't know the things in our life that God's going to require us to do. It's unique to us, to each of us. Some of them may be similar, some of them may be a lot different. So until God reveals things to you, a good place to get started, I'll give you, I'll give you one thing, and it's to die to sin. If there's sin in your life, get rid of it. That's a great place to start. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. We need to get rid of the sin in our, in our life. Romans 8, 13 through 14 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It's interesting, isn't it, that he says that we need to die to ourselves and the only way to life is through death. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's a cost associated with following Jesus. And then he gets to the very last part of the verse. It's really simple. And he says, follow Jesus. I mean, you know, he says, just follow me. He goes, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. And then he says, and follow me. We follow Jesus. You've got to embrace Christ, put your faith and your trust in Jesus to have a relationship with him and, and with God, you know, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In order to become part of all that God wants for you, you have a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. You've got to embrace Christ and all that he is, all of his teachings, all of his examples. You've got to live by the word that he's given us. You've got to do that. You've got to take yourself off the throne of your life and put Christ on the throne of your life. And you've got to understand that life is not about you. It is about him and make him the priority of your life. We've covered all of this and these other things I've talked about. The, the point is there's a cost associated with this. Chris, you know, there, there's just, there, there's this whole movement out there of this easy Christianity, this, this Christianity that doesn't cost you anything. You just go about your life the way you always live your life and show up in church on Sunday, you know, maybe do a couple things, maybe read your Bible once in a while, and, but just live your life the way you want to live, live your life, and it's, it's all cool, everything's great. God's, after all, it's all about God is love, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. He says, if you want to follow him, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. There is a cost to following Jesus Christ. But you've got to embrace him. But there's something else I believe that's implied here. I believe that it's, it's a commitment and a consistency in your walk with him where, where you're committed to following him and stay in the course. When you follow him. There's another passage in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, there, there are these situations where these people are saying, Lord, I want to follow you. And Jesus replies to them. And one of the guys says this. He goes, it says, yet in Luke 9, 61 and 62, it says, yet another one said, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
You see, he uses this agricultural metaphor of using a plow. And Jesus says, no, you, you, listen, if you're going to follow me, then, then follow me. And you make me your priority. And you don't look back. You, you continue day in and day out to follow me. It's like when you put your hands on a plow, he goes, no one, you know, he's, he's saying that you're not fit for the kingdom of God if you put your hand on a plow. Well, what is he talking about? Well, when, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever plowed. We don't have much of that going on around here too much anymore. We have big, fa- you know, fancy machines that do all that. But my father-in-law, Nancy's dad, but all my whole life, married life to Nancy, 40-something years, Nancy's dad always had had a garden uh, until he got old, older that he couldn't have one, but he had a garden and he had a hand plow, a wooden plow that was made like in the 1800s. And, and, uh, and he taught me how to use that plow because I was going to be married to his daughter, right? She might, need some, she might need some black eyed peas or something one day. And so, he, so he, he got me out there and I'll never forget it. And I got on that plow and, uh, and there was a stick up there at the end of the row and there was a stick back here and you get behind that plow and you start pushing that plow and it's hard work. And, 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 and I would have this tendency, I'd push two or three times and I'd look back at the stick. And then the next thing you know, I'm plowing over here. And he'd go, keep your eye on the prize, Ed. Keep your eye ahead. Look, look at the stick up there. Never look back. And that's what he's using this metaphor for. He wants commitment out of us. If we're going to be his disciple, we need to keep our eye on Jesus and never look back. And that's what he's asking us to do. Paul, the, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, you know, great, great guy. Paul says in a chapter, writing a letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 14, Paul's talking about his own life and he goes, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I keep my eye on the prize, the prize is Jesus, and that's what I do. I press forward every day. I keep my eye on Jesus. I don't look to the side, I don't look back, I just look at Jesus and I keep moving forward and forward. You see, it cost us. If you look at Paul's life, following Jesus cost Paul a lot because he was a, he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, if you will. He was a very knowledgeable guy, a very intellectual kind of a guy. He had studied under Gamaliel, who was a great philosopher and great teacher. And, and, and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, the Bible tells us. And he was a guy that had, boy, everybody in the Hebrew world respected him. And he was persecuting Christians. And he was a man that everybody looked up to. And one day on the Damascus Road, he had this experience. He came to know Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, all, everything and everybody he knew became his his enemy at that moment in time. But he made Jesus the priority and he kept his eye on the prize. And he had a rough life as he planted churches and went through his life. All kinds of things happened to that poor guy. He suffered in so many ways. But look at what you and I have today because of his faithfulness and look at how that's changed in our lives even today because God wrote two-thirds of the New Testament through him. That's what we need to do. So here's what I want you to just take away from this today. Here's the deal. There's a cost associated with being a Christian. I I don't want you to think it's all about blessings, and I don't want you to think it's all about what you can get. It's all about what you can do or, 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 or what you might be or whatever. Let me tell you what it's all about. It's about what he's already done. It's about what he's done for you. And there's a cost associated with it you got to fix your eyes on Jesus, the prize. Don't look to the left or the right. You just stay focused. Don't look back. And just let the chips fall where they may. You keep your eyes on Jesus, and he'll take care of it. And that's what we got to do. And I want you to know that. I want you to examine your life today, and we're going to do that. Here's what we're going to do. 
You know, one of the ways that we remember Jesus and one of the ways that we remember who he is and what he did and all those kind of things is we take the Lord's Supper together. We take communion together. And, and uh, it's always, to me, a great time when we do this because it brings us together as a body of believers that we're all together at one time. We're, we're doing what Christ said. He said, remember me. Remember these things that I taught you. Remember what we've talked about today. Remember what I said it takes to be a disciple. Remember what I did on the cross. Remember the price that I paid. Remember the fact that I didn't stay in the grave, but I rose up out of the grave, and I sit at the right hand of the Father today, you know, making intercession for you. Remember all those things. Also remember that I said that one day I'm going to come back, right? And so today we're going to do that together. And, we're, and, and so we're going to, in a moment, have a song. And, and, we're, and, and uh, as Pastor Gary leads us in this song, or he's going to sing the song. Actually, this is a sit-down song. Don't stand up. You guys stay down. And because you've got your little elements there. Now, now, now I, I hate to, to take away from the moment in explaining something like this, but this is, we're, in, we're still in COVID times, right? And, and it's affected our lives in a lot of ways, even the way we do communion. Uh, so you've got, we, but we have searched high and low to find the best way. We know you're so frustrated with those little communion cups that you spill the juice all over yourself and all. So today your little cup looks like an hourglass and there's two tabs. There's a tab on one side for the bread and there's a tab on the other side for the juice. Do not open the juice tab first. Don't, don't, don't do that if you can just follow that instruction, okay? Make sure that you open the tab with the bread first. But they'll be much easier to open. But right now, I want you to be praying. I want you to talk to God about your own life. Do you need to get some things right? Have you been denying yourself? Have you been taking up your cross? Have you been dying to yourself daily? Are you really following him? Maybe you need to get things right. But you take some time now and reflect on that. Listen to the words of the song. Then I'll come back and we'll take the Lord's Supper together.